You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. Oh, I know why. It's coming out of the... If you go press the sound settings, it's five, five, right? four, three, yeah, two, two. Nah, one. I don't. Booster ignition and liftoff of Discovery. You're gonna die. I'm Raymond Arroyo. We'll see you next. We all with a we all with a Y on the end. We're here with the show. We're back. <laughs> Andrew's in town, dude. Thanks for coming coming by, Andrew Whaley. Yes, and uh, you just happen to be in town because of some car problems. Van problems. <laughs> I was living in a van down by the river. That's the problem. Yeah. And uh, we got you some. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, so many people. This coffee me, is so it's delicious. It's so great. <laughs> Looks to Cam. It's really amazing. I really. Mm, it's the best part of waking up. It's coffee in your trash bin while you drink <laughs> bourbon. So, uh, man, so so many people have told me to reach out to you over the last four or five years. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just put it in that someday, maybe later folder. And What's, then what took you so long? Adam? I know, dude. And then uh, some interesting stuff in my life has been going on that made me start reaching out to people and uh, message you. And you're like, man, I'm probably not going to be in Dallas like free. Like I'm not going to be free anytime soon. And and then just like two days ago, okay, so I was, yeah, car you, broke down. Yeah, I'm you, here. So when you texted me, when you, when you've messaged me, I was flying out this Friday from Missouri to go straight to California and was going to be there for over six, six, seven weeks. Yeah. And then I said, yeah, I'll be on the show. And I said, I have friends in Dallas. I'd like to do a project in Dallas. I'm kind of working on something. Yeah. Um, maybe if I end up down there, we can do it in person. And then that switched from that, from a, a, a train, a plane trip to a train, a van trip switched south instead of going through denver and then we broke down in dallas so <laughs> i think i have you to blame for this entire trip i think it's me i think i think, I think you like the lord i was praying hard i was like smite him lord i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have justin send you his repair bill then, you know dude so I, we better make some good money on this podcast i mean my god is a is a you know he's a lucrative god he's a god of generous blessings and so I've, I'll just, I've just so many prosperity gospel jokes I'm want to make. Yeah, that's what I was I was searching for. That one uh, I definitely. Um, so we got. You I some, did my time. Yeah, we so. got you some TX bourbon in honor of Texas. I want to talk about Calix TX bourbon. Huh? And what do you think? What do you think? Let's I give think you a review. It's really good. I've, I was drinking Balcones last night. I, I'm so, like Texas, so. This is locally. I mean, it's made in Texas. Obviously. I mean, this coffee is delicious. Um, come on, we're we're uh, you know we're Catholic. And we can, we and, can drink whiskey on and in Fort Worth. In Fort Worth, brewed here. So, thank you, TX Bourbon, sponsor us. Where's the camera, man? Reach out, yeah, all those cameras. Um, so Cheers I want to talk to each about, of you cameras. There you go. I want to talk about Calix. I'm so insecure about the way I pronounce things that I read online. Okay, so yeah, I say Calix as well. Okay, Calix. Now I know it's Calix. Is that what? The, yeah, do, in do Latin seminarians in, reach out to you and go, actually. <laughs> no, I've only had like one person. Okay, okay, okay. You know, it's it's, so it's Calix. It's Latin Calix. for cup or chalice. Yeah. You know, because the the whatever my organization is, it's a consulting firm, it's an yeah. apostolate, it's a well. Before I talk about that, know. I want to talk about that, and I think this episode will be about that. About the the you describe it as like mission driven coffee shops, right? Like I think I mean that's part of yeah. what we do. That's what we certainly what yeah. we started doing. Okay, so first it's though, been evolving though. But first though, like your quick uh, not I mean it doesn't have to be quick, but you're kind of like 
comic book he- superhero origin story. Oh, like, like just in like maybe six panes. Okay. So, well, I was a total geek in high school and just really loved science. And we were at, on a field trip. Yeah. And the spider bit me. <laughs> and the next day I could like go up walls and stuff. Wow. And, and it was pretty – yeah. Oh wait, but that's Spider Man. And then you could shoot. Um, you could shoot sticky substances out of your body. Well, no, I'm 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 more like the other version where he actually made the web shooters. Oh, I'm okay, kind of old okay. school, you know. Which one's canonical? Which one's like the there, actual- there's a great. I'm not enough of a geek to know that. Yeah. I think I think the web shooters are canonical. Really, web shooters? Making the web shooters. That's what yeah, I yeah. Making. That's what I thought. Yeah. If you're listening, call in angrily if you're a comic book. Well, because nerd. I like that because that makes him a little – I mean he's got all these cool powers, but that makes him a little Batman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like I mean, that too. It puts a little Batman around the edge. Well, edges, and it also right? is you like know? an Iron Man jumping off point, right? Because like he's right. smart enough to make some gear. Iron Man sees that in him, right. that connection there. <laughs> so sidebar, I was in – I was seeing my – a friend – a priest that I'm good friends with, one of my old roommates. And we were in, um, in Indiana in a college town and we're at this coffee house. And there's this kid comes up and he's wearing a shirt that says Roger Stark 2016. Roger Stark. Yeah. I don't get it. Wait, Tony Stark and Roger. It's, it's Captain America and Iron Man. <laughs> you know, it's Roger Stark. Oh, okay. I right? get it. Okay. I get it. And so there's this woman who's dressed really well and, and she's like a professor or something. And she looks at the shirt and she's like, son, that is ridiculous or something like that. We thought she was just going to wig out because, you know, the current political environment, yeah. like somehow that offended her. And she goes, Tony would never be vice president. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> she was offended from a comic book, from a Marvel yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know? that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I could see, I could see some similarities between Tony and Trump. I, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you said it public. I mean, you—that's your stance. I mean, but I'm not gonna. I could definitely. I could see. I could see. Yeah, there is some just, making a I lot of Iron Man fans the, the, really. The, upset. the difference is, I would vote for Tony Stark. <laughs> We're making a lot of blue Iron Man fans like really pissed off. They're like, do not right. compare Trump to. Okay, so your actual origin. Story. Okay, my actual origin story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'm always interested in. Number of siblings, family of origin, religious affiliations of oh, parents. Background. Yeah, that's so. This is a weird one. I'm not. I mean, I, I think maybe not. I mean, not weird for Gen X, but maybe weird for Catholic world. Um, I was raised nominally Catholic, you know, yep. c- culturally Catholic, you know. Um, only child. Um, born, you know, born back in. <laughs> um, <laughs> dinosaurs were wearing polyester. Um, I, um, <laughs> I am. At, gold shade. Uh, so I, um, no, so only child, um, mom and dad, uh, got divorced when I was about 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, mom kind of got involved with the charismatic renewal and kind of followed it out the back door of the church. Yeah. I, dad never darkened the door of a church again, except yeah. someone's dead or getting married, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I kind of stayed Catholic for a while and I was involved with teens encounter Christ. And, but then I ended up having this big conversion and I was um, a non-denom charismatic for six years or so. Okay. And then um, ended up coming back to the Catholic church after having kind of tried to start a ministry in a college town and some stuff like that. And um, I kind of thought I was coming back. I, you know, I read somewhere that Francis Schaeffer locked himself in a barn hmm. and went all the way back to atheism and thought it through. And my stuff had become very jumbled and I, I didn't have enough guts to go back to atheism, so I went as far as I thought I could go, which yeah. was Catholicism. <laughs> that's 
and it's funny that you thought that was like one step removed that was just from like a, atheism. Yeah. So, and then I stayed, you know, but I read the early church, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. This is all the stuff they said came after Constantine. What, what are they talking about there? It's like, that, this looks kind of Catholic. <laughs> this Ignatius guy. I mean, yeah. this is Irenaeus guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. this sounds like sacrament. Yeah. So you, like, you, had, of, you had your, what, like the current references you're having, your like Francis Chan moment. Like he's. Yeah. It's kind of funny too. Cause I have two really close friends that went to Francis Chan's church yeah. and then became Roman Catholics. Wait, what? What? And, like, the Latin, and that, you know, shout out to Kirby and, um, Wes, yeah. um, and, um, they, uh, and so it was, it's interesting to see kind of him having his moment a little bit. You yeah. Know, Cause so. he's not becoming cat. I mean, like, I don't think so. So for some, but was it because of stuff he was starting to get into that they kind of jumped off? No, of I think they, they were way long before that. They were ahead of him. Yeah. Way ahead of yeah. that. So it's got, it's interesting that that's happening, but yeah. Or I mean, I've just seen a few videos where he's kind of. Yeah. And it's, you know, talking about the Eucharist and the body of Christ and like really, yeah, dude, he's, I respect that guy. I feel like that guy, if, if he has like, there is no, I mean, I'm sure there's inner struggle, but it, if there is something he believes the, the God's, I mean, he doesn't care what it costs. I mean, it could mm-hmm. cost him, it could cost him his right arm and he's just going to say it. Like he's yeah, just going to be yeah, like, for sure. this is what I think right and now. And I think that, look, if you, if you go at reality, intently and, and, and with purpose and you're willing to accept the consequences and you're not going through some kind of a lens of ideology or, or yeah. you know, then you're going to find truth because truth is a kind of thing that gives itself yeah. if you seek it, which I, that's maybe getting ahead of itself. Cause part of the, what I do with Calyx is that's part of the, 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 the rubric of how we do things. But yeah. anyway, so yes, yeah, so I, um, I had um I hurt my back, blew my back out, and how decided old? to. Uh, so wait, wait, I was how ninety. I was uh twenty six. Okay, and um hurt my back and went back to college, and started studying philosophy and theology, philosophy and religion. Ended up and I was I got into Thomas Aquinas. No, it was at Southeast Missouri State University. Okay, and I got interested in the great books, and then I found TAC that it was a Catholic great book school. So I packed up, sold everything I owned, jumped in a car, and went to California. And, Dang man, and. I was there off and on for like, I don't know, 11 years or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, Ended up starting a coffee company while I was going to college and just stuck Okay, around. coffee company, like, and was there any ministry attached to it? Or, well, or is there, that just like, you're just always, it seems like at that point. It came from, so, I mean, if you want to, so the origins, the, the, the superhero origin story of Calix in that sense is, yeah. um, I had had my conversion to, and I'd left the Catholic church and I was all on fire and all that stuff, you know? And, um, I was like the skater kid, you know, I was just skating, you know? And hanging out and I really wanted to like have some way to reach these kids that I knew who would never walk into a church. Right. And I'm from a tiny town. I'm from a town, like 4,000 people in the middle of nowhere. Right. And so I was skating, um, in the central West end. Actually, I tell you where I was skating. I was skating the neighborhood almost exactly. I think it was almost exactly across the street from where those people pulled those guns on the protesters. Oh, really? That, they, that the gated, two, the white, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That gated neighborhood where cool, that, that gates at is like, yeah. that is the, um, I think it was that neighborhood. Yeah. And it was, or it was, it was within a couple, within a couple blocks. Right. Yeah. And so we're, um, so we're, uh, we're skateboarding there and there was this little shop. I think it was called the grind. Okay. I didn't know what a coffee house was. I had no idea. Wait, you had no idea like a Starbucks or like, no, Starbucks didn't exist. This is pre Starbucks. This is pre, it was, Starbucks wasn't here. Yeah. 
you know. You just thought of high Yeah, like those guys. Is yeah, this yeah. The- like it's like across the street from their house, I think roughly is where oh, that gosh. was. There was a place at Central West End. Um, anyway, so um, I walk – I had to go to the bathroom. And I went into this thing that I thought was like a bar or something. I was like, you know, 18. Yeah. So I kind of go straight through. I see a bar, people sitting around. I go straight through. I go to the bathroom and I'm coming back out and I'm kind of stopping. I look around and the guy's like, Hey, what can I get you? I'm like, Hey man, I'm sorry. You caught me. I, I'm only, I'm only 18. I just need, I just need to go to the bathroom. I'm only 18. And, I just need, and he's like, what? I'm like, can I get you something? I'm like, I'm 18. I can't drink. And he was like, no, dude, this is a coffee house. Are you in cappuccino or something? I'm like, what's a coffee house? And so I got yeah, a cup we, of coffee. We let young kids have coffee. So I, I got a cup of coffee and I turned around and I watched these people hang out. They're reading books, playing chess. It's like the, you know, it's, this is like the late eighties, maybe 90, 80, 89, I think. And so I'm like, hey, this is a cool community forum. Yeah, yeah. And I just became obsessed with it. Really? At 18? At 18. And so then there was – so I started going then. That was actually a Starbucks on the loop then. And I didn't know Starbucks was like this giant chain. I was like, I thought it was really cool, you yeah. know. Um, You're like, can I talk to the founder of this right. uh, Starbucks? Does the, own, does the owner work here in this location? <laughs> you know. Can I get his uh, phone number? <laughs> So and it just so it actually started as a missional thing for me, and then later I ended up heavily involved in the actual business of coffee. So at eighteen, you were trying to reach your skater friends. I at eighteen, I was like the the kid with the the long hair and the baggy dickies with Vans yeah. on, you know, with Jesus painted on top of my grip tape with paint. So pen. You, you were part of the phrase a Jesus freak. Well, that's that was more like seventies, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. They kind of tried to bring that back in the nineties yeah. with DC Talk and all that, which I'm not a fan. Yeah. But um, uh, hot takes, hot takes. Oh, they were like, you know, you know, they did that Jesus Freak album or whatever. Yeah. I was I was involved with the Christian music industry in there a little bit, you know, through Kevin and stuff. Like we that. mentioned yeah. Kevin. We need a sound we effect. Kevin, when we mentioned yeah. Kevin, yeah, like a sound effect. We could have. I'm a, gonna give you. We got a, a dr- drinking game. Anytime, anytime we mention Kevin, we drink. Okay, I'm gonna bring this down just like that. Okay. You're not used to video. There you go. I'm okay, not so, used to video. So you started – Which is a shame as pretty as I am. But I know, man. You should I have get – I have a face for radio. <laughs> you need at least three cameras. You need to start a podcast or you need – your. well, I don't know. But you need a show and podcast. Well, I'm going to do a podcast. We're going to set you I've up. I've done with- a podcast, but I've never done a, a, a video podcast. The thing with video is that then it's fun to make little bits for social media. That's really – Okay. Like I, other than my parents who literally sit down on the couch, they prop up their thing – and then they watch the full episode of my podcast on YouTube. Other than them two, no one else does. Hi, mom but, and dad. Hi, mom and dad. But it's fun to chop up for like social media and stuff. Like, oh, cool, that's what's cool, really cool. cool. Um, so you're in college then and decide to start a coffee company? Yeah, I was in college and I started a coffee company. Like a roast? Like I well, get confused I was, about roaster I, I collaborated versus- with a local roaster and did a private label. And yeah. then later on we had a kind of a deeper collaboration. Um yeah, and then so then over the course of years, you know, I had managed shops, I had built shops, I had, you know, done coffee. I'd, Wait, I'd, but at the time you're studying theology and religion and starting coffee companies. No, 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 no. I did the so I did theology and religion, then I went to California. Okay. And then I studied great books. Okay. And okay. it was it was after a couple years after that. I took a couple years off and I came back. It was in two thousand. Mm-hmm. One, I okay. think, then yeah. I started this company called Coffee Boy. Okay. Coffee um, Boy? Yeah, all one word, Coffee Boy. That's cool. Um, 
And so, did um, you have a location like when you started, or? Uh, no, we were a wholesale coffee company. Okay. I did end up having a pop up in um, this really cool loft in downtown Ventura, over a little courtyard. Yeah, it yeah, was super cool. Um, for a little while, and then I had we did end up owning a shop later, uh, over in Fillmore, California, a little agriculture town. But yeah. mostly we were wholesale. So then, at what part does Calix start becoming? Yeah. So and do you still own coffee shops right now? No. Okay. No. So I, so I, oh man, this is a really long story. Uh, so I sold coffee boy. I sold, I sold, I didn't sell the brand. I kept the online store, but I sold the wholesale company and all the customers and all that and the relationships. And then, or just, I sold that wholesale arm. We rebranded it and sold it. Yeah. And then, um, I went to the Augustine Institute for like a, a semester oh, in Denver. Cool. Um, and then I was in, a, I discerned in religious life for a while and then ended up owning a coffee house for two and a half years in a little town. Yeah. And then that kind of all fell apart. And I went back home to Southern Missouri where I'd grown up at. And um, there was a shop there that I had been their coffee supplier and I was my very first customer. And I had in a couple locations before that, that same shop I had kind of rebuilt it mm -hmm. a long time ago. And so I had had an impact on the culture and I'd sold them all this equipment and I knew their numbers cause I was a coffee supplier. So I'm not yeah. going to go home. I'm going to lease this thing. And through a long history of stuff that happened involving, um, uh, a, a, a street remodel and uh, the building getting sold and some stuff like that. I just I shut the shop down and I went back to, I went to consulting. Yeah. My first gig. Had you and been doing consulting before then? A little bit. Yeah. So that shop was called Calix Coffee Bar. Yeah. Because at that point, you've been in the coffee business. 20 years, 20 plus That's years. crazy. That's – Yeah. So then um, – And how old – at that point, how old were you? You were – because you started uh, around – I would have been 42. Yeah. So you mean – I mean like – and. But from eighteen on, yeah, I'm turning the I'm turning the AC down. But from oh, the I thought you got the calculator out. You're trying to figure out how old <laughs> no, I am. No, 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 no. I'm from, like I'm old. I'm from. Eight, I'm so I want I want to watch these Googles everybody keeps talking about, but I can't get this VCR to talk to the TV. <laughs> okay, so so you dive into consulting, and but at that point, is it? Are you mainly helping people that just want to open coffee? No, shops? no. Why I dove into consulting? My very first gig was helping the Augustine Institute build a shop in, in the new location. Okay. Yeah. So I moved to Denver, but it was supposed to be like a three month gig. And then I was going to go do something else. And I stayed five years. Wow. I just ended up. So how did, is we ended still, up contract managing the space there. Is yeah. it still open? Yeah, it exists. Yeah. Wow, dude. So what, I mean, I, man, I have so many questions. Why did Augustine want to open a coffee shop? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think they wanted, I think they liked the idea of reaching out. For people, people who don't around. know, though, Augustine doesn't really have like an on-campus student. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, they do. Okay, yeah, it's not a lot, but it's and it's also in a big, it's in a in an office building that they can they own now, and there's a lot of other apostolates and stuff. So in there. was the and it was in the middle of the Denver Tech Center, so there's a lot of people from other buildings that came. But was it like we need a coffee shop for our students, or like we want to both? Okay, and we wanted to kind of reach out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely for the institute. It was it's what in Calix we would call an internal community incubator. In the sense that it was mostly, you know, FUBU is, you know, for us, by us, you yeah, know, it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, but people did come from outside yeah. and we did have, and it was a good source to get, I got a lot of my first real information about what can happen with relationships can, that can happen organically over time, even in kind of a, 
even in kind of a he- heavily ideological space like that was. Yeah. Um, but it, it made me understand. I learned a lot yeah. there and it still exists. Shout out to anybody at Totally Ledger Coffee. Um, okay. So, so man, so walk me through like when you're talking about. I'm infecting you with my ADD, man. This for Oh, I love this. We're, we're I love, I love this. You need, I feel like I need to force that to be in your hand though. Uh, so <laughs> he's trying to, you're, you're trying to, get I'm me, going too fast. You're trying to get me drunk. <laughs> Push uh, the pearls. Um, Plus smack the mic. Okay. Uh, so walk me through though, for people that are like, what, like, what are you adding on to a coffee shop? What's your, like, are you like, okay. you're an, are, are you like, are you pouring coffee and going like bartender? Like, tell me a story. How's your day? You know what I mean? Like, kind of like that. Let me tell you what we're not doing. Yeah. I, I joke, I jokingly say, we're just, let's just switch talk about Calix. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, and then we can kind of figure out, yeah. you know, the other stuff. Um, cause that'll. That'll be a good way to kind of transition here. And I know like it's and I have a hard time because like I know this is like I'm asking questions where it's like hire me and I'll talk to you for hours. No, about no, it, you know? no, like no, no. This you're everything you're asking about is in talks on my website and stuff. So yeah. Okay, um, sweet. No, so I jokingly say that my consulting firms, people call me up wanting to open Catholic coffee houses, and I try to talk them into being Catholic and opening coffee houses. Interesting. Okay. I mean, and the difference is, let's tell you what. Here's what we don't do. Yeah. We don't build a shop, call it Immaculate, serve a popacino. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, I see you're wearing a shirt with an airplane on it. You know, speaking of airplanes, it says in the Catechism of the Catholic Church <laughs> in paragraph 1053 that you know we don't. God flies pretty high. How about that? Right. It's like, oh, hey, I see you're wearing a tie. You know, it says in Romans 10, 9 to 10, if you believe in your heart, confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And that we don't do that. The guy's like, I think I want to be Hey, Catholic. would you like to have a St. Teresa's mocha? Get it. It's got chocolate and peanut butter. It's got a silly saint name because we're Catholic. No, don't. If you're watching this and you're doing that, stop. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Um. So, no, we would build a shop yeah. that is a comfortable, beautiful shop. Yeah, yeah. And the difference is maybe the intention of the people that own it. It's so we, we, I often say that the spaces we build are not spaces for evangelization. Mm-hmm. It's not, not the context of evangelization. Yeah. This coffee house is not the context of evangelization. Relationship is the context for evangelization. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I build you a place where if you don't mess it up, you can earn the right to be heard with some deeply unchurched people that would never walk in your church. Yeah. So, but what's different about, a coffee shop that you're consulting with because I'm sure other like a random guy. I mean, my favorite coffee shop here in grapevine redefined, love it. Like, and I don't know much about their strategy, but mm-hmm. um, what's different because I'm sure there are people that don't have a faith motivation that yeah. are like, well, yeah, we want customers to feel welcomed and right. loved. And like, so, Oh no, this is definitely, there's a, there's a faith motivation. There's definitely, it, it is, it is a missional thing. Yeah. yeah. I Man, we are trying to, Earn, we're trying to build a relationship and earn the right to be heard over time so that we can then – it's not like we're going to – it's not a bait and switch. Yeah. It's not, oh, you liked this. You like, if, you like, if you like my coffee, you'll love my Jesus. I mean <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that. But give me know? some practicals. Like your day-to-day life, five years running this coffee shop, are you serving out coffee and just, yeah, and just, just striking up relationships? Just pulling shots. Here's the thing is you build a space that is – Beautiful and welcoming and, and the people that you want relationship with will feel at home there. Yeah. Right. And then you 
organize and build this place to where there's kind of a showcase or kind of it's anchored in true goods shared between the Catholic vision of reality and the people you're trying to reach. Okay. Give, give like an, what's an example? Like what's a, I mean, a lot of them end up coming from around Catholic social doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that you, the way that you source, the way that you're treating the environment, the way, yeah. how, the beauty with what you're doing, the way you pay yeah. people, the way you're everything you're doing, the true, the good and the beautiful, but done in a way that they can understand it. You know, yeah. Thomas says that the thing received is received in the mode of the receiver. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to think about how are they going to accept this? How are they going to receive this? Are yeah. they able to understand what I'm doing? Yeah. What you're wanting to do is it's simple. You're making a place where you can meet people and love them. But what but I'm you ner- want to love them in a way that they can understand they're being loved. Yeah. So you serve them as deeply as much as you can. So you build a place and then you, you so it, we should just walk through my principles. Yeah. Cause like, the, cause I'm fascinated by this idea and what I'm nervous about is like, you know, I, I walk into redefined and there's a lot of people that just want to look at their computer and, and like, don't bother me. There is so a that's problem. That's what I'm nervous about. There is, like, is a problem. I might have all these idea, like I, this, I want to build the community, but in that 30 seconds when we're making the transaction, how do you jump into? Well, that's why you build coffee houses for one thing. Okay. I could build you a stereo store, but you buy a new stereo piece of stereo equipment every 10, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. But you buy coffee every day. Yeah. That's why. And also these types of businesses for all of civilization have been the kind of places that very different people yeah. spend time together and even get to know each other. And that's normal. That's yeah. not weird. Well, it's like the idea of like in the, I, I don't know if this is totally true, but I have this idea that in the olden days, it was like the tavern where people mm-hmm. would go. I mean, it's kind of like cheers, right? Like this, like this idea of yeah. this is the tavern where people it's, go. It's and why, meet up. it's what Ray Oldenburg, so, uh, sociologist Ray Oldenburg calls a third place. Okay. Now Starbucks took that and ran with it and everything, but no, there's, there's your first place is your home. Second yeah. place is work. Third places are places in society where we dwell. Okay. And there are some clear marks to a third place Yeah, where it's kind of the great leveler. People are equal. You know, you, you, there's just a bunch of different things that make a third place. But yeah. So the, the tavern, the corner pub, but how do you the, get people- the bistro, the, 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 the old, the, the old coffee house in old Vienna, the, um, yeah. the general store. Yeah. Um, but the, how do you get people out of, like you open this place that people love to come to, but how do you get them out of- and without like forcing them to talk to their neighbor, yeah. get out of there. I mean, there's business guys showing up that are yeah. work from home, like or no. work, you it know, has gotten way more challenging the last ten years. Okay, because people have turned the cafe into an ad hoc co work space. Yeah. Now, look, work has happened in cafes for 500 years, mm-hmm. but so there's the four marks. The four main activities of a cat in, in the, of the life of the cafe are the consumption of food and beverage, conversation, reading and writing. Hmm. Right, that's what it has always been. Yeah, and so this fits into that. The problem is, and you've always been able to be alone in a crowd in a cafe, but with the introduction of the digital media and and the just the ubiquity of headphones then it suddenly becomes like you're in this pod and people will go, Oh, he's alone in a crowd. No, actually he's deeply engaged in community. It's just not you. Yeah, that's true. 
He's engaged in community someplace else. Well, now there's re- I see you have Cal Newport's book on the wall. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's Huge like fan. yeah. Look at digital minimalism. We mm-hmm. we I'm sitting there going, LOL, and liking it and saying someone's kid is cute. And there's a guy sitting next to me with a cute kid. Yeah, and I don't even see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of just closing this, going, hey, your kid is cute. Where are you guys from? Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't connect in that way anymore. So I there's a great example. We built a uh, pop-up as an experiment in this. Uh, this is something Catholics would do. This is what I mean by the, the kind of the confrontation, the collision between the Catholic vision of reality and the current culture, yeah. right? We built a pop-up in Minneapolis called Farside Coffee, and we put uh, – inspired by Faraday Cafe, this pop-up, there's like an art project that was done in Vancouver. We put a big bunch of the seating area inside of a Faraday cage. Whoa. So your phone's a brick when you sit down, dude. That's awesome. And there was no to go cups. The thing that the thing that popped to my mind is like no Wi Fi Tuesdays or something. Yeah, there was no Wi Fi. Yeah, we put it in a Faraday cage, and there was no to go cups. Whoa! And so people would walk in. Hey, can I get your password? Can I get uh, something to go? Uh, we don't have to go cups. And people would, people literally started a Yelp page about Farsight so they could bitch about the fact that we're these. Ideological hipsters don't have they just don't have to go cups. Yeah, they thought it was something that we were doing about the environment. No, we're like, but what? Sam, shout out to Sam France, the the guy that was behind the bar there. Sam would see someone walk in and they go, "Hey, can I just get a uh, can I get a cappuccino to go? Uh, we don't have to go cups. What do you mean? Like, no, we just want you to be here, yeah, with us and have this now and be yeah. And they're like, well, I mean, I can, I'm like really. You really don't have five minutes for a coffee? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. And they'd sit down, and they didn't have to stay in there for an hour talking. Wow, man. That's risky, man. That's risky, though. Yeah, like, no, if you we, do that and someone's – It was a pop-up, and we didn't need to make any money. It was like, <laughs> and what we did was we, we did this thing. We didn't tell anybody who was doing it. We got some um, some media – Minneapolis, some some press on yeah, it, yeah. And then we were like, "Surprise! We're the Roman Catholic Church. Wow. That's why we did this. That's Cause dope. Because we, we're personalists. Yeah, you know? that's it's dope. Like, so, um, but that was kind of fun. That's you dope, know? man. Yeah. So I, I would say, I mean, there's one model. I mean, I'm about to put a bunch of models on my website. One model we're going to put there is the deep analog coffee house. I what do you want, mean by deep analog? I mean like, the an, deeply analog. I like want to no no computer. Yeah, I want to no. do. I want to do a shop. I want to do. I want to have this as my home shop. I want to have a shop where there is there's like an ATM like outside or something, and it's it's cash only. Mm-hmm. There's no to go cups. There's I mean, almost no signage, just not hand drawn or something mm-hmm. like that. No screens allowed mm-hmm. in the space, and it's just you come here. It's now that sounds crazy, right? Oh my gosh, no screens. It's cash only. Yeah, no, it's called 1995. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, I mean, in yeah. since I have been in the industry, th- that was a shop. Yeah, yeah. The only time you pulled out a credit card, you had to pull this big thing out and yeah, you know, it was because you didn't have enough money to pay for it or whatever. You're buying a big purchase or something. Um, you used to physically take something that was a thing. This is one example. What? Well, why would it matter? Cash. I'm taking this really clear, really stark icon of value that I spent my time for, and I am handing it, it to you yeah. physically, touching your hand. Here, here. This is an exchange for your work and care and expertise and craft. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, getting on the app. 
swipe it, ordering your Starbucks, paying for yeah. it, walk in and just grabbing it and walk out. I heard someone talk about, I think it might've been Gary Vaynerchuk talk about, he had this idea for it. Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> Vaynerchuk. He had this idea of, uh, like, a uh, bar that was, or like a space that was only open one day a week. And when you went, you couldn't leave for 24 hours. There was no phone, no like no electronics. You put all that in a bag. Yeah. And you go there and it's kind of like almost like a I mean it's like a almost like a spa, but it it's like a relaxed hangout mm-hmm. community. Yeah. No TVs, just like really beautiful sp- like kind of like we were saying, coffee, right. drinks, space. You can't leave for 24 hours and it's on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like so it's like middle of the week like contrary to the the culture of yeah. work and productivity. It's like are we all going? It's almost like um, uh, what escape rooms kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Where it's like this this experience that you go into. Yeah, I just think that there's a you could do so much more with that. that that's why I'm not I'm not look, man. If you want to put a cross in the wall of your coffee house, fine. Put a cross in the wall. Yeah. But a cross can be an assertion of an ideology. Yeah, it can, or it could be a proposal of, yeah. of a reality. Yeah, yeah, and. It's an assertion of an ideology most of the time. And I if there's think, no relationship. Right. And so so one thing one thing that we say time and time and time again, one of the very first principles of Calix is that if you're going to do evangelization or discipleship, the default context, the preferred context, the the way it should be is you should be in relationship, in community with that person. Yeah. If you're not willing to pay the price to be in relationship, in community with that person, you don't get to be the one to evangelize. Them. Is this the like belong? And I'm sorry for all the people that love street ministry yeah. and standing on the corner with signs or whatever. Dude, but even like I remember yeah. I was talking to Stefanik about this and he was like – he he's like, look, if I just – if someone just comes across one of the videos that I throw on YouTube with no precursor, just like they hit it, that's that's fine. I hope they do. That's not what it's for. Yeah. It's for someone to go, hey, check this out. This guy said it better than and then ever. They, and then they talk it's, about it's, it. It's a tool to be yeah. used in a relationship, yeah, yeah. right? I feel so, that. So you have, to, you have to be willing to earn the right to be heard. That's like the belong, behave, believe kind of thing. Have you ever heard of that? No. I've heard some people talk about this where it's like – Oftentimes we're so nervous to make atheists believe Mm -hmm. before they behave or belong. And then there's this idea that like if if people feel like they belong Mm -hmm. and then they start – you're behaving a certain way and they start kind of experimenting with that behavior. Mm -hmm. Then finally they're hearing the beliefs of it and then you're able to kind of like propose like here's why we're doing it. And then that's the last thing. I would put it a little differently. I would say you you build a space – and I would say you build one of one of the first principles of our of our work is that you know Saint Thomas Aquinas says that um you, to, that love is to will the good of the other as other mm. right and that we see from John Paul II that love is a gift of self right you mean so so to love someone you're it's, it, you're giving them you in some way right but then as we said before you know the thing received is received in the mode of the receiver right so you have to give them yourself in a way they can understand that is gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we set that up. Now the way you do that is you set it up with anchor goods. Like I said, where things that are true. So a good example would be like, you don't have to build coffee houses too. I mean, we do other stuff too. It's like, um, let's say that you have a bunch of land around your, um, your, your church. Yeah. And you like in Denver, let's say, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at you, our lady of Lords. You guys are in a great spot. 
you have well, you know, pretty well off young families all around you. And there's a waiting list for urban gardens in Denver right now. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That seems uh, like- so put some raised beds up, fill them with organic potting soil, put a fence around it, and then invite people. Invite like- a few people from your church that are the right people, give them slots, and then sp- flyer the neighborhood and go, hey, just come grow some zucchinis. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, after they've bumped into a nun or made friends with another young family or something, you have a potluck and you set it up outside so they don't have to come into a church to do it. Yeah, you have a big, yeah. beautiful Babette's feast table mm-hmm. up outside. Everyone cooks something they, with the food that they grew. You come in, you have a big feast. And then while they're there, oh, that's when you hit them, right? You, invite, you give them a Scott Hahn book and a rosary? <laughs> no. You invite them to a showing of a documentary of the the life and work of Wendell Berry mm. or something. You you keep doubling down on the things that are true goods that you share. Yeah, 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 yeah. The cultivation of the soil. Yeah. The the cooperation with nature. But the other thing is that it forces people to have to listen first because yeah. all that time of gardening, you're you're next to someone. And you're listening because there's no content you're trying to right. shove down their throat. We do. I don't know if you're familiar with like you probably are Alpha and like yeah. Discover Christ, and we did Discover Christ at our parish. And one of the big things that was hard to get Catholics out of was like, hey, there's no teaching. Your your one job as a host of a table is to host guests and be as hospitable as possible and try mm-hmm. to get them to talk. And if they say, mm-hmm. I don't believe in any of this crap, you say, tell me more about why you don't believe it. Right. Because – Tell we, me about this God you don't believe in. You, dude, you're a Sherry Waddell. Oh, I'm friends with Sherry. Oh, yeah. dude, you're the yeah. – yeah. Shout out to Sherry. She's amazing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like that – I'm right there with you. But, okay. So, so is this is this just like – I mean, how do you turn it from not just an art project into like – I mean, a profit, or is this a nonprofit? They're thing? usually nonprofits. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A so it's, it's a nonprofit, and then and then you're really like, so you for those five years, you're you're pouring coffee right. and you're trying to somehow okay, let me, bridge that gap. Let me give you let me give you a very real example. This guy that worked in the building um, at the Augustine Institute um, worked for some like tech firm or something that had an office nearby or in the building, right? Um, this guy came in every day, right? And he would come in on the phone and be like, yeah, I told him, no, if they're not going to do 17, we can't sell. And then, hey, can I get a caramel macchiato? Yeah. And then and he would just, and he'd order off the Starbucks menu, throw his card at you. Mm. And the girls who worked there were just like, God, that guy's the worst. It's just, and I, I would just get furious. I, I went on my own podcast and Sometimes and I'm like, I am not caffeine dispensary unit X49 three seven six. Okay, I'm not a robot here for your caffeine needs. Yeah, I'm yeah. a human being. I would just get so frustrated. And I'm like, okay, now here's what we want to do with this guy. You want to treat him. You just be a person. Treat him as a person, even if he doesn't want to treat himself as a person. And so we just started kind of like taking it serious. And I started talking to them about how to engage him, how to do this stuff. And slowly over time, he started like, what type of tips? What were you telling them to do? Like. This, well, it had a lot to do with um, the, the, the Benedictine charism of hospitality and treating each stranger as if they're Christ mm-hmm. and loving them and serving them in the way that they will let you. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You're in a Benedictine monastery back in the day. A stranger comes to the door, rings the bell, the porter lets him in. The first thing you do, and he might be a dirty beggar or something, right? The first thing you do is you take him 
to the abbot and the abbot prostrates himself in front of the stranger. Mm. He treats the stranger the way we treat the Eucharist when it's in the monstrance. Yeah. So you had a lot of baristas on the floor. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're cleaning. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> We're spick and span. Yeah. Um, no, so I said, you know, love him as if he's Christ, and let that change you. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, if that change, if if you do your work, it'll change him. So he started like coming in, like um, he would be coming in, talking on the phone. Hey, hold on a second. Yeah, can I get Carol Macchiato? <laughs> right? Yeah, like throw. yeah, and that was like a difference. That was a and change. Then I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah. And then he came in. Then he's he'd walk around. He he would walk around outside, then shut the phone off, come in, and. What are can I get caramel? What do you guys call it here? You, you have a yeah, caramel latte. Yeah, like he actually looked yeah. at my menu for the first time, dude. So it's going, 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 and then one day the guy he started just shutting the phone off, coming in. One day he comes in and he looks at me. and goes, "How are you doing today?" Shoot, dude. Angel sang. Gosh, man, that's two years. Dang, dude. Now here's where it gets amazing. He comes in one day, no phone, nothing, head down. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, you know, my mom's really sick. Mm. You know, and um, and she's in the hospital, and we were there up late last night, you know. And, I'm, and I said, this is the moment, right? I said, what's her name? She's it's like, Helen, I think it was. And he says, I said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pray for her. Mm. Thanks, man. I gave him, gave him his caramel latte. I knew he was drink. Gave him the caramel latte, extra hot. Here you go. Hey, it's on the house today, man. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Mm. So then I kicked that up to Father Riley. Said, hey, you know, prayer chain, can we pray for this woman? Her, you know, his name's Helen. She, her son works in the building. Okay. This goes back to Sherry Waddell. Never take a label in place of a story. I was just talking to my wife about that. What we didn't know, he'd never mentioned this guy was a fallen away Catholic. And had not been to mass in over 20 years. Dang. He was walking by to go to the garage or something, heard our mass starting downstairs in the chapel, decided to go to mass. Wait, wait. So you had mass below the garage? We had a, we had a mass co- in a basement chapel at the, at the institute. But like below the coffee shop or? It was, well, it was in a, this is in a whole big, okay, the, gotcha. coffee house was in an institute. Big building. Big building. Okay, right? gotcha. we had, and the building had a chapel. Dang. And so it was on the same floor, I think, as his office. And he walked by, probably walked by it a million times. Yeah. Decided to go to mass. He walks in. Father Riley's in the back. And they always says the Angelus before he comes in goes, today's mass is being said for a woman named Helen. Her son works in the building. She's in the hospital. Please pray for her. The angel of the Lord declared it on to Mary. And she can see by the Holy Spirit. The day that he decided. That he walked in. So he walks in to mass for the first time in 20 years. And they're offering the mass for his mother. And they don't know him. Dang. So he comes. We hear about. I. He tells one of the girls about this. He comes in like. Like that next week goes, Hey, um, here's where we live in the metro area. What's a good parish we could go to? I have, I want to take my family to church this weekend. Dang, dude. So the Holy Spirit knew how to use that. Yeah. When the time was right, Mm -hmm. we had to earn the right to be heard for two years of not being offended, not reacting, and doing the slow work of just loving someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But most people don't have that kind of patience. Well, it's almost like you people. have to find missionaries to be baristas. No, that's the model. That's the model we're working on. Dang, we're working on actual missionaries that will actually raise funds and be and, baristas. and be baristas and work and also be taking a curriculum of and submitting to some mentoring at the same time. 
Dang. Um, like being formed. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like Covecrest, but we're a coffee shop and we don't do games. I don't know what Covecrest, Covecrest is like a life teen summer camp. Oh yeah. I'm, but they have a lot of missionaries, like yeah. college age missionaries that just decide yeah. to go. And, so, so basically you, but here's the process. You take that bit of so here here here's the thing that you're talking about the pay belong thing. Here's where we here's where we get into that. So you earn the right to be heard. You connect with shared goods that are increasingly increasing discovery of shared goods in the mm-hmm. space. You know because like let's say I don't know um, a guy walks in with a beard and a dress, right? And if you're a good ideological Catholic guy, you're just dying to talk to him about his nature. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't think you care about him, and he doesn't think you care about nature. Yeah, yeah. So you spend the first year through solar panels and the way you compost and the way you recycle and the way you source your coffee and what you do with your grounds and all that. And over the course of a year, he figures out you actually care about nature. Yeah. And over the same way you serve him and love him and don't just pigeonhole him and turn him into some placeholder for an ideology or mistake a label in place of a story. Yeah. Sure, it would say, say over time he figures out that you care about him. Mm-hmm. At some point he'll ask you, well, so what do you, th-? it might come out in something like, so why do you, why do you hate us? Yeah. I mean, I've had a guy ask me after two years, why do you hate us? He, whatever kind of position he was in, what kind of culture, like identity he had, he was convinced that Catholics hate people like him. Mm. He said, you know, why do you hate us? And I'm like, like, do you feel hated <laughs> in this place? Yeah. Have we given you any reason to think that we hate you? Yeah. Well, I know but you guys are Catholic and you know, I'm like, so you have labeled me with a stereotype and you're judging me and you think, you know what I want. Isn't that yeah. the exact thing you don't want me to do to you? Yeah. I actually quite, I actually quoted, I quoted Sherry to him. I said, I said, my friend Sherry says never accept a label in place of a story. And I feel like I've done that for you. And I don't mm-hmm. think you're doing it for me right now. And yeah. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The guy came back the next day and apologized. Dang dude. But so, it took two, two, three years. So, but how do you, but how do you get a missionary in that position like to commit to two years. Cause like I can imagine. Well, focus people commit to two years all the time. That's true. That's true. I can just imagine if like the Mormons can do it. We can do it. <laughs> I can just imagine like better, better uniform. I can imagine. Them. I just think about the coffee shop I love going to. And I can just imagine like, I don't know. I, I'm ner- I It's like that has, because I haven't experienced it myself. It's like, mm-hmm. man, would I go two weeks without ever being able to like break through and, and, have an experience that's more than just someone coming in and going, thanks for the coffee. And right. like, no, you try two years, to, you know? Yeah. Because remember that guy, two years, Yeah, but he was coming in, had an ax to grind and had a chip on his shoulder against the Catholic church. Yeah, yeah. And what we didn't know is that was maybe subtly behind how much he dis, he was using the phone to put a wall up between us and him, but we were the only coffee around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And slowly that wall was coming down. And he was watching us and listening the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So the model is, I mean, you said you were talking about a lot of models, but normally this is like a nonprofit. Yeah, there's a lot of different models you can do this. Yeah. I mean, we like to build outward-facing coffee houses. What does that mean? Outward, like- outward, where you're, it's for the unchurched or dechurched. Yeah. But you can do this as more of like an – I mean any – to, to, to speak Sherry's language, you can start anywhere on those five thresholds. I'm real good with like negative two to three. You yeah, know? yeah. Wait. So but nonprofit would be outward facing 
or not? Non yeah, yeah, they're all nonprofit for the most part. Oh, but you were saying the difference between outward facing means who are you building it for? Yeah, yeah. Who do you want yeah. to feel comfortable and to be at home in this well, place? Well, this is something personally when I think about this idea is I struggle between the nonprofit for profit model. Mm -hmm. Cause like there's pros and cons to both, you know? Yeah. The problem is, is that I've owned a, I tried a long time. I tried for a really long time. It's why I haven't got as far as I would like to have in this point. I re I'm because politically and kind of philosophically, I love entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I love, I grew up behind the counter. My dad's small business. I love the, the kingly virtues of self-determination and business ownership and all that. I was really hoping that this could just be a way, the way that the, the, the entrepreneur carries himself as he builds small business community. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is it just takes so much money and time. You have so much mental effort invested in trying to get butts in the seat. And honestly, if you're going to make a coffee house, that's really profitable. You've just got to really fast moving line so, but are you of a lot of people and you're just cranking drinks out and getting them out the door. Well, but what about the co-work space? What about the idea yeah, of no, like co-work space is something we're working on. Well, and there's also, I'm, I'm not super familiar with this, but there, I've seen a few as I've started just recently doing research of this idea of like a neighborhood co-op. Yeah. So I think I might've to told you about, um, and I'm trying to get in touch with you guys life in deep Ellum. I just, I was there yesterday. Oh, that's right. That's right. You were, okay. So like, that is a nonprofit model, but then yeah. you have something else it's like – It's a community center. Yeah. They have a gallery. They have a venue space. Yeah, but that's a nonprofit. That's so, a church. True. That's a nonprofit. But there's another one called Communion in Dallas, I think. Communion something. And they label themselves as a neighborhood co-op. So they're a co-work space, but I, I like to think of it as like Starbucks and WeWork is like a national. And then you have the local coffee shop yeah. where like – Here's the owner. There's one place. We I mean, people are certainly doing this. So the the co-op idea with this communion, the little research I did. We're is, working on this in Minneapolis yeah. right now. So it's like part coffee shop, part event space, part um, uh, co-work space. And then they might do events like we're going to bring in local people to talk about business or talk about things that are going to help you as a build community. But they also do family meals. Like yeah. we want to have family no, meals together. totally could work. But look, I mean – I'm just saying with if that – If your goal is to make a bunch of money and keep as much as you can possibly make, then make it for profit. Yeah. If your goal is to have stability and predictability, then make it a nonprofit. Get some support from outside. You Then you could use some volunteer help and some stuff and you can focus on your mission and not on trying to do anything you can to keep the doors open. Yeah, yeah. And I mean I have been – look, I am a person who has worked 90-hour weeks – paid my staff, kept the lights on, ordered more coffee, and then on a certain week had to you know, park my car six blocks away in the morning at 5 o'clock when I opened because they might be looking for my car because <laughs> there was nothing left over to pay me. Yeah. And every and every small business owner has had those experiences. Yeah. It's kind of hard to be present to the annoying materialist guy that's always yelling about atheism stuff or whatever. And to love him as Christ when, when you're, you're trying to make it my, profitable. Am I going to have to – am I stuck here if they took my car? Yeah. I mean it's like it's – business is hard. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying don't do business. Do business. I love business. Mm -hmm. Start small businesses. Yeah. Do it. But they, I, it's just, in my experience, I've had two shops that I've tried to build as a for-profit shop to serve this end. Mm -hmm. And we had some fruit with them. Mm -hmm. Each of them, I can think of someone who has come into the faith, 
or and that was, I mean, at least one of them's like near, I mean, I would say he's probably a saint today, mm. but we could have done so much more mm-hmm. if I wasn't killing myself to keep the doors open. Have you heard of Casey Neistat? Yeah. And he has the three, six, eight. Yeah. So like, I'm not, I mean, that model, isn't it like they say we never charge people to show up. What we do is we seek out sponsorships and partnerships. Do you want another little? Oh yeah, I'll t- I'll take a little splash. The, their um, whole thing is. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's a. I like you. We're that's a good, a hel- good father. That's a healthy, a generous, right yeah, there. generous God. Uh, but like, that's coffee a, that's is so good. Man. It's such good coffee. Uh, that's an interesting <sighs> model because it's like we're not charging the patrons or the people that are coming. We're working with people that want to be a Look, part of I that. Am, completely open to any and all possible models. Yeah. We are looking at doing a possible Montessori school. The, Dude, my wife, we're all deep into Montessori. Okay, stuff. so Montessori, Maria would have them start farm. They work on farms and run farms. Yeah. And I, applying their knowledge, that's what high school was for. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of Montessori schools now use small business instead of a farm. And the one they always use is coffee houses. There's one interesting, in Denver. Interesting. The Montessori coffee house. So I want to I want to collaborate with a Catholic Montessori school and build them a coffee house that is also m- mission driving too. That's my wife would be screaming. That's an amazing idea. Yeah. My wife is all about like our kids need to have that experience, have that place yeah. where they can learn to be an adult. So let's talk about, let's talk about your believe belong, uh, yeah. behave thing. Not mine. Just one I've well, heard. That, yeah. I'm not so, sure I'm fully sold on it. But. Right. No, here's, the, here's, here's the method that I think about. So once you've built a place, you've established a connection at the beginning turning of turning up the AC now. Oh, that's fine. I was turning down the AC now. I'm turning it He's up. He's on his phone, dude. I'm like, turning no, down. no, I love yeah. you. I'm not. I'm not on my phone. Yeah. No, you're done. Yeah, yeah I'm done. I'm done. You put your headphones on. Let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Do we have a Faraday cage? You know? I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. If this was a cartoon, then like the the Roadrunner would drop the Faraday cage <laughs> and be like, bang, 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 bang. um, no. So you've earned this right. You, you begin earning the right to be heard through shared goods. And all that. Now, here's the key. Here's where the denouement comes. Here, here's where you turn this and it becomes more than just an, a, an exchange. Because what you want to do is you want um, an exchange mm-hmm. to turn into kind of a, 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 a conversation. A conversation to turn into a dialogue. And a dialogue to turn into a real encounter. Right? That's the kind of the process. Right? So here's what you do. Here's a, here's the real story. So you got this person, they're coming in and you're getting a few minutes with them five days a week. Right. And they're watching how you live, how you work, how you do, are you working beautifully and mindfully? How are you sourcing? How are you, are you do your employees seem happy? Are you, how are you paying people? Are they paying well? Do they have insurance? You know, so are you just throwing your trash in the street? I mean, what, you know, you, you do all that, right? Then here's what you do. So here's the core method underneath this. And that is to live with an awakened desire. So have you read Disarming Beauty by Father Julian Caron? No, but I'll raise you uh, um, The Evidential Power of Beauty by Thomas Dubay. No, but I'll read is it. Is that – okay. That sounds – So Father Julian Caron is the, um, the, the, the priest that replaced Monsignor Giussani as the head of CL. Why do I know – oh, okay. Communion Liberation. Okay, okay. So he wrote a book called Disarming Beauty a couple years ago. And in chapter one, second half of chapter one, he lays kind of this, this concept out. And I'll just make it really brief and just kind of summarize it, right? Okay, so someone, there's someone who has insufficient or incomplete answers. 
they're wrong. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a materialist. He thinks that there's nothing but atoms in the space in between them. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. But there's, there's more than that. Mm-hmm. We know that. So we as Catholics, we look at that and we go, ah, he needs information. Mm. Usually in the form of catechesis or apologetics. And do you feel like that's a result of the enlightenment and this kind of like very scholastic, like there was a time in the church where we needed a rigorous scholasticism, but then like we've lost, like you're saying yeah, the beauty, the I, personalism. I don't know. Maybe I mean, there was a time when that, I don't know. I think that we dislike information because it's easier than, than relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But so here's what they said. We go, we look at that and we go, well, I mean, I know and there's a D de- there's a deacon. I know. And he always he uses this old, um, this old Pennsylvania Dutch saying, he says, uh, you know, to the man who's only a uh, tool is a hammer. Every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. I've heard that too. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we think that every problem we go, what's that? Oh, Oh, catechesis and apologetics. You know, what's crazy. Catechesis is that, and apologetics. And you know, what's crazy about that is often you will hear that information on the left is they just need education, right? They just need to be educated. If they were educated, then right. they would choose to do and it. Let me just, let me just, Speaking both to this and to the left. Yeah. Remember when the problem of education, especially the problem of education in um, the, the the poor or the inner city, was the lack of an- access to information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're about 20 years into the internet we now. We got a little too much you information. You can take classes from Harvard <laughs> online for free. Yeah. Do we did that solve everything? No. Now you have doctors that are looking at stay-at-home uh, moms and going, "You have a little too much information." Right. <laughs> like right. there's a lot of doctors right now. They're like, "I don't want to hear about your theory." Access to information was not the problem. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we see this person and they go, "They're wrong," and we go, "Oh, they need catechesis and apologize." They need right now. Here's here's what the switch is. Caron says no. Says no. He says reality is the kind of thing. That when questioned correctly, gives itself freely. Okay, break now, that down. What do you what, that reality is the kind of thing that is available and knowable and understandable through experience if it's being probed correctly. If those he says the reason they have incomplete answers or insufficient answers is because they are asking incomplete or insufficient questions. Interesting. And then he says, why are they doing that? Hmm. Because their desire has not been awakened. Okay. And then he asked the obvious question, well, how do you get your desire awakened? Same thing that Plato said about the good. You have to get around someone whose desire has been awakened. Interesting. Okay. So your key modality, your key mode of engagement in mission in these places is to just build a place that you can have a repeated encounter with someone. And then they're not the problem you are. Mm. You have to get your heart opened up your wonder back you have to live with an awakened desire for reality and the author of it yeah yourself and that will awaken the desire yeah start kind of a holy discontent yeah and a paired with a real wonder yeah and and jazani used to say that we need to be um shocked and at home in the world Hmm. and so when that happens and i found that here's where it comes back to formation because I'm not saying there's no formation going on here. It's happening mostly behind the bar, though. Yeah. There's a real clear mentoring process. There's a curriculum process I want to do. Yeah. There's a, volunteers being mentored by by missionaries. There's a lot of formation happening. It's yeah. just not outward facing. Yeah. Now then, um, the but there's Kyle, one, that's distracting me. The three six eight thing. Sorry. There's <laughs> there's one key 
one really, really key ex- uh, um, experience that I find opens up the heart and really awakens desire in people, especially people that are mission-minded. And we've already spoken of it. It's that seeing the person in front of you as Christ, mm. that prostrating of yourself through service and beauty and work to the Christ and the stranger. Yeah. That awakens your heart and they feel different in your presence when Does, you're serving them. So you can wipe the same counter with the same rag as somebody else, but when you're wiping that as an act of love, yes, it an changes act it. of self-gift, it opens up a space between you and that person that the Holy Spirit can encounter inhabit. And I don't mean he's going to change your words or give you some argument. Yeah. I mean in assume we're talking about bone silence at this point. Yeah. It's a it's a reality, you know, in, in the Byzantine theology and the liturgy they say, you know, God present everywhere, filling all things, mm. you know, and you're kind of in some way activating that and acknowledging that and seeing that in an almost increased to like almost a sacramental manner in this, yeah. this exchange of gift. Tell me if you, I don't know if this is theologically accurate, but we had a discussion one time. If you don't c- commit heresy every once in a while, you're not trying. Okay, true. You just have to back off of it when you see it. All right, let's try. Let's try. <laughs> let's so, see if we can make so some heresy. Let's now. do it. So one time I was with some volunteers and we were talking about, at like acts of service basically. And the question came up, what is the difference between an act, uh, an act of charity to someone? Mm-hmm. Uh, one person performs an act of charity mm-hmm. and they're, they follow Christ mm-hmm. and an atheist performs an act of charity. Mm-hmm. Like what difference is there? So like if we start, if, if, if we set out to feed the poor, mm-hmm. Christians, Catholics, mm-hmm. and an atheist sets out to feed the poor, what's the difference? And, and we were going back and forth, and at one point I said, the real difference, the di- like the difference is the Holy Spirit. The only difference is like when if some if, if Naaman mm-hmm. were to just say, think, I'm gonna I'm gonna dunk myself in the river multiple times, mm-hmm. he's not open to uh uh an immaterial force, something changing. He's mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to dunk myself. But when someone else who's open to the Holy spirit says like, do this thing, like you said, the mm-hmm. sac, like the material gets infused because someone is open to the possibility that when, mm-hmm. when I give you this cup of water, mm-hmm. the difference between the atheist and the Christian and not, not to give a label, but just the difference mm-hmm. between someone who's not intentionally saying, mm-hmm. What if this changes this person's life? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, how do I just infuse every moment of this mindfulness? It's like um, uh, the practice of the presence by Brother Lawrence. Like, like mm-hmm. just picking up a piece of straw, mindful of the presence of God. That's yeah. the only thing that changes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Father uh, Brother Lawrence would say that there was no difference when he was a cooking or whether he was in the adoration. Yeah, it was the same presence. Yeah, and right? so it's, it's like a very Byzantine concept. Actually. And so it's the idea of like. What's the difference if there's two coffee shops, one that's just a regular for-profit and then there's your coffee shop, what's the difference? Well, the difference is like we're o- when we're giving that cup of coffee, we're open to something different happening. But the other question I had for you is there's got to be people that maybe never even – like that is off-putting to them. Mm-hmm. Like do you think that that's the case of some – The religious? No, just the coffee shop in the way that you're building it, are there some people that are 
that are kind of like, I'd rather just go to the Starbucks. Yeah. And that's fine, right? Like, I, I get fine. the we sense that we can't have a relationship with everyone. Yeah. And so it's like, there's just not room. But that, yeah, yeah. But I mean, look, here's the, you know, the. That's okay, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, well, to, like go, back, to go back to your charity thing, too, I think that one of the differences between the should be the way we give and the way someone else would give. Is it? I mean, look at like. Um, have you seen the documentary Poverty Incorporated? Incorporated? No. Watch it. Where's it at? It's. Um, How can oh, I get it? Um, Amazon, I think. Okay. Um, is is I think it was made by the Acton Institute, and they just go talk about how charity, mind mindless charity with 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 good intentions has just destroyed economies. Yeah. Like there's people who are Haitian rice farmers, who were survived the earthquake and all that and then we just started dumping all this free rice and now they're out of work and no no one's growing any rice yeah anymore. i've heard this. they've got mountains of free rice it's yeah. like we, we we can do more damage so so we should be mindful of the dignity of the human person including the dignity of self-sufficiency and the dignity of work and the way that we give yeah so two two cups two same water but given in different ways can make a difference too. But that was, you were just using that as an example. So I'm not going to get nitpicky with you here. The, the difference is also now there's a final step in this. And I say that, um, that there Reinhold Niebuhr said that there is nothing more incredible in this world than an answer to an unasked question. Hmm. And so we, that was one of the main rules. Like I think it's like number seven in Calix is that you never answer unasked questions. Wait, but he said the most amazing thing, the most incredible thing, like the most surprising, like shocking thing is an answer to an unasked question. Like, don't do that. Oh, okay. That's the most absurd thing. So in a negative way, in a negative way. Yeah. Don't give an answer to an unasked question. Not incredible in the sense of like, right. This is a good thing. Why would you do that? You know, it's like, so what you do is, um, you, 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 you build this beautiful space with the other in mind that they Mm -hmm. will be at home in. You fill it with true goods that are shared between you and them. You serve them as if they're Christ. You live with an awakened desire for the sake of them being in relationship, in community with you. And then when that desire, that real longing comes to fruition in their heart and bubbles over in the form of a real question, then you just answer it. Yeah. Because the desire is the hermeneutic to understand the answer. Yeah. If you give them the answer before the desire to know the answer is there, they can't understand the answer. Well, but also like it's very Montessori in a sense because sometimes even when people are asking a question, if you give them too much of an answer. Yeah. Like I remember uh, I had a friend – I had friends. If I could go back – if I would have started at Franciscan, I transferred in. But if I would have started from the beginning, I would have loved to have majored in humanities and Catholic culture Mm -hmm. and – there's a professor Gaston, I think all, I had a few friends who were in it and they would share all these quotes from him. And like, I was mm. like, man, I needed to study under him. But one of the things he said is the difference between bad education and good education mm. is bad education is you're a student and I'm standing in front of you mm-hmm. telling you about this beautiful Vista. Mm-hmm. Good education is we're both side by side right. looking out at the Vista mm-hmm. and I'm saying, Look, you're going to go on a journey. Let mm-hmm. me I'll I'll assist you through your journey and I can kind of tell you cuz I've traversed this path before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you like if you go in this area, you're going to need a big backpack and if you go in this area, it's going to be really hot, but you're going to have to go experience it. Right. And I'm not going to I'm only going to tell you enough 
to get you to go. Right. And then in the, and in, in the intellectual life, I mean, where I went to college at Thomas Quine's college, it's a great book school. So it's a Socratic method. Yeah. They don't call their teacher. They don't call them teachers. They don't call them professors. They're not professing anything. They call them tutors. Yeah. Because they're fellow students that are just further along. Yeah. yeah. And we're all reading the same text. Yeah. And he's just calling your attention, asking a question that will make you notice something in the text. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's a he's it's it's a shoulder to shoulder thing. Yeah. It's not. It's it's exactly what you're describing. Yeah. And also, I love that image you're using because it reminds me of um. C.S. Lewis and the abolition of man, where mm. he's looking at the poet is looking at the waterfall and he says it's sublime. Mm. And then the commentator says, when he says it's sublime, he's speaking about his experience. And Lewis says, no, he's saying the thing itself is sublime, mm. right? So how to, one thing that that guy can do is to teach you how to look at things yeah, and teach you how to be present yeah. Two things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and in some way that's more caught than taught. Yeah. And they just pick it up over time. Yeah. And so obviously, I mean, you know, this can be a very long process. You can also, I mean, if this person has been traveling down Sherry's thresholds and they're, you know, already deep in seeking or, you know, then you're like, or curiosity, they're, they're, they're kind of down in that. They're yeah. down along the way. They might come in. You know, see this and go, hey, what's this place all about? I mean, is this like a, is this like a, 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 a some kind of community center or something? And they finally, you just tell them, you know, well, here's what we do, and you know, we're, you know, that's amazing. Hey, could we get coffee sometime? But got there- some questions, and that, that guy might be going to mass the next yeah, week. I mean, yeah, it can yeah. happen. Like but what that. about what but about the idea? But what- that's easy. The fish will jump in the boat sometimes. And, and then what about the idea? Like, do you ever do like hosting events? Yeah, I do. Um, that gets tricky for two reasons. They've, uh, they, they get in the way, I would say do them after hours. Yeah. You'll be open, you know, seven to four, seven to six, seven to seven. Yeah. And then evening is like, you may, you know, do your events. So that you, cause you remember conversation, the consumption of food and beverage conversation, reading and writing, anything that blocks or gets in the way of those four things has to be rare and very well forecast because there's nothing worse then showing up at a coffee house with your textbooks, ready to get a big cappuccino and hang out and study for your test. And there's a show. Yeah. Some kid with a guitar is doing Bob Marley covers or something. That's why I'm imagining like there's a certain part of the week where it's blocked off where it's normally closed. But then every now and then you're like, Hey, this guy's going to come in and talk about starting as a freelancer. Hey, this guy's going to come in and talk about that faith conversations. that, That, that I'm, I mean, that I'm largely okay with. Now here's the problem is that, if you start doing this is then this is the hardest thing to talk to Catholics about. If you have been, if you are going, you're doing everything right and you're slow and letting these, but, but basically I guess what, what we would say is that the relationship that kind of encompasses um, evangelization and discipleship is an outgrowth of normal human relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And if you enter, start introducing this stuff before, I mean, like if you just meet a friend, if two people are friends and neither of them has an agenda and they're talking and then that person starts asking questions or pushing an agenda 
whether it's like trying to get them into Amway or asking them quest- two personal questions or whatever, it's going to throw that relationship off. Yeah. And if you got a group of people that are slowly, organically moving towards a relationship with you, and all of a sudden you bring in this very ideological talk yeah. that is really geared towards Catholics. Yeah. That's just going to cut a bunch of ties. You know what I would love though is like once a month there's an event. Sometimes it's, you know, here's a talk on freelancing. Sometimes it's a, a hosting of a dialogue because yeah. I really feel like – I mean there's some show. I forget the name of it where they have a left-leaning mm. and a right-leaning person but they're really close friends. Yeah. And so they just talk through stuff. And mm. I would – I like I've been wanting to do something where like let's get an atheist and a Jew – like let's try to ho- – let's try to find people that are friends from crazy and just – and just host di- host like a night of dialogue. Yeah, host I'm, like a I'm night fine of- with that. You put a panel up there, three different positions, and you talk about a conversation. Because Discover Christ really was – it was like short talk presenting a th- really basic theme of Christianity. I mean one of them is just like what's the meaning of life? Is there meaning or not? Mm-hmm. And then now let's talk for an hour and a half at our tables. Like tell me what mm-hmm. you think. Mm-hmm. And like that type of stuff, I- I'm really fascinated with that kind I of think model. It, I think the best – the best model I've seen for that is to do it after hours and let it be sponsored. Let it be known that you sometimes let your place out as a venue space. Yeah. And you let someone else sponsor it so you can remain yeah. a little a little um unconnected. Yeah. There so that's like local coffee shops. So if someone says something kind of offensive or something or something that comes off as offensive to someone because they're not ready to hear the answer to that question, yeah. then you're not kind of being held responsible for that. Or connected with you it, yeah. can still they still feel comfortable to come to you and gripe about what that guy said. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and they, true. You might agree with that guy, yeah, but you want him to. You want to be the one that he comes and gripes to about. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Right? So I just think it's just you. Regardless of whether it's a coffee house or an urban garden or a CrossFit gym or whatever you build, that's a repeated engagement. Yeah. You let's just say that it's just a friendship you're developing. If you're in a friendship and you're just constantly pushing a religious agenda or you're constantly pushing any agenda, yeah, it's not going to develop. The friendship's not going to develop organically. You're not going to get as close as you would be. Yeah. And the person is usually going to get less likely to want to hear about that. Here, it's like yeah. I, there was, I saw a meme one time that um, this is so mean. It was like. I saw, I saw a meme one time. He's like, you know, hey, there was a cockroach in my bathroom and I tried to spray it with Axe body spray. Now his name's Chet and he won't <laughs> shut up about CrossFit. <laughs> it's seen, like, I've seen a lot of those. I mean, those types it, of memes, yeah. It's like, it, it, it's like ever I, – I mean, you end up being like a vegan or something. Yeah. Where it's like you're just like this militant, yeah. you know, and, and, and that doesn't work. Yeah. My favorite example in like what I strive to do is I heard a story once – I think it was Annie Hickman talked about how he would just host people at his house and he wasn't pushing his religion mm-hmm. and he would host them and befriend like he just mm-hmm. literally like not to for any just I want to be a friend like come over my house like be like and it got to the point where eventually someone said hey man aren't you supposed to tell us about Jesus or something like when are you going to tell us about Jesus Right. And dude, that story stuck in my like in my heart. And I'm not saying you can't be you. Yeah. Normal yeah. people have religious ties. Yeah, yeah. Or something. And they knew that he was like he didn't hide that he was traveling around speaking about Jesus. He right. just didn't push it on him. If I'm And so at a certain point they were like, 
hey, man, aren't you supposed to give us the like, are you ready to accept the Book of Mormon kind of like thing? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. And, and he and like I, that really just challenged me to go. I should have relationships where they ask me. Right. Instead of me going, hey, man, do you have two minutes f- right. for us to you it's have like, some time to talk about your Lord and Savior? It's like it's like if you're you're living in a way that they're like. Man, there's and it's not that like wow that guy seems like he's got it all together. I want to have it all together. It might be. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a great example. This is um. I was in involved with Communion of Liberation in um Denver, and a tragedy happened, and this woman's teenage son was killed in a car wreck, and I didn't really know these people that well. Um, they were in a different school community than me, and I kind of knew of them, and I. T- I conversations with the father a couple of times and a really nice guy. I liked him, would have gotten been glad to get to know him more. Just didn't know him that well. Um, so I go to the, um, I go to the funeral and I come in and it's kind of crowded and I don't really know him that well. So I just kind of stand in the back, right? So I'm kind of like back in the narthex standing, um, watching, watching the, um, the mass. And came this moment, like, you know, they're talking about him that man just got me and it hit me mm. and I started breaking down a little bit and I was crying and I felt these two hands come up behind me and start rubbing my shoulders and kind of like comforting me. Right. And I looked and it was the boy's mom. Mm. She was on her way to the bathroom, saw me crying and in the middle of her son's funeral, mm. This guy that she knew of, but didn't know she had the, the level of hope in that tragedy and that love of the other to come over and physically touch me with intimacy and, and, and comfort me and yeah. give me a little shoulder scrunchies. Yeah. And I was like, that was a huge witness to me. Yeah. Right. And so that, well, did she give me any information? Mm. Did she demand anything of me? Yeah. Did she, Show me that she was somehow like above all this. No, she had her face was stained with tears too. Yeah. But I walked away going, I want to, I won't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Why? How can she do that? She incarnated theology. Right. She you know, became, she became what we believe incarnate. You know, like I'll, and I'll go, I'll go, I'll go deep with, I'll go deep with this. It's like, um, my, my mom, and I may I may cry on your podcast here. My mom just passed away March fifteenth. Mom was not a Catholic. She was raised a Catholic, left the church, and we disagreed on theology to no end. Right? My mom flat loved God, mm. but more than that, my mom loved people mm. and saw people. And one way that that always came out is she always remembered everyone's birthday. Really, she was on her deathbed, literally, like on, within a day or two of dying, and she could barely talk. And she was like, "Remember, it's your cousin so and so's birthday today." Oh gosh, you know she because that was the value of people, right? What's your mom's name? Um, Sherry. And um, so, Mama, I was reflecting on what I learned from this two and a half years of serving my mom. I mean, I went quite honestly from living the life of a selfish bachelor that had an apostolate and some businesses and, you know, an intellectual life and, you know, happy hours with people younger than me and hanging out, doing my thing in the whole Denver scene, you know, to 
giving my mom a shower and helping her with the bathroom yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You know, I had to drop everything, including a new shop I had just built with, as a consultant for a friend, for some family I'm friends with and, and just go take care of my mom. Right. And so after she died, I was reflecting on this and, um, there's a, a privately published book of the, um, the, uh, the writing, some, some writings of father Raymond Goronsky and, um, and Father John Neppel writes the preface to it, and he's talking about a conversation he had with John, with Father uh, Goronsky, and he says, um, he says that um, he said the same thing that he always said. He, or he says, he says, John, he's late, he's late in his life. It's one of the last kind. He says, says the books mean nothing to me now. It's all about people. And then he said to me this thing. He says, then he said to me this thing that he always said to us in seminary. That Christianity is not about the abstraction of ideas. Mm. It's about the concretization of love. Mm. And I think that's the core of what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to get people to build a space that people will feel comfortable to day in and day out inhabit and feel at home and feel loved and accepted. Maybe not affirmed in all their activities, maybe not even affirmed in what they have made their identity but really truly loved and accepted mm. regardless if they change yeah your home yeah and then try to concretize love mm. in a way they can understand it and we can say aquinas the thing received is received in both the receiver or you can say that the scripture says that allow blessing early in the morning is taken as a curse mm. you know it's like can they hear what you're trying to say yeah does it matter if you're saying I love you? If you're saying it really loud from two inches away at five o'clock in the morning while they're trying to sleep. <laughs> My wife doesn't like that. Right. I tried that. Yeah, don't do that. It doesn't work. Right. So I mean, we have to say I love you in 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 in, in something other than words for the most part for a while. Yeah. And in with an action that they can understand. Yeah. We got to learn their language. Like if you go to right. a foreign country and you try to say, I Absolutely. love you in, a, in English and they don't speak English, right. it's, it's foreign. It's, or it's obnoxious. Or their customs. Yeah. You go to a, you know, you, you, it's like going to um, an, an Arab, an Arab country and trying to shake his hands with them with your left hand <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, don't, showing don't them the bottom, or showing them the bottom of your shoe yeah, at them or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with my shoes. I yeah. mean, you got to love these people enough to, to learn their language. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and to look for either in the history of their people or in their interaction, s signs of an engagement with God or at least yeah. true goods. Now yeah. I'm just telling, so I'm basically telling you to treat the way, you know, some ancient Je Jesuit missionaries would treat American Indians. Yeah. I'm just telling you to treat the hipsters from the college that way. Well, and it's St. Paul saying like, oh, I found this this statue to an unknown God. Right. Let me tell you about this God you don't know about. Like, and let me a, find the seed of the gospel in what you what your culture is. And that is a very particular – it's funny. A lot, that's a very particular story. Um, Athens had had a great plague, and they had to sacrifice to every God known to man. And they sent um, – for this prophet poet, I can't remember what his name was. He's one of the famous writers. He lived on Crete. Kevin, probably Kevin. It was Kevin, yeah, yeah, yeah Kevin of Crete. Kevin of Crete. Saint Kevin of Crete. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they say he lived on Crete, and they brought him over to Athens, and um, 
And he said, you know, you've sacrificed all these guys, but there's one God you have to sacrifice to. And he's the one who can lift this plague. And they said, well, what's his name? How do we don't, we have thousands of guys. And he goes, well, we don't know his name. Well, how do we, how can we invoke it? And he said, um, well, I, mean, I think if he's a, that great of a God, he'll be willing to forgive what we don't know. Mm. And so he said, I want you to bring all these sheep. And it was like some of them black, some of them white or whatever, and, and starve them all night. Don't let them eat. And then when it's, they wake up in the morning, they're hungry and ready to eat. Don't let them eat. Oh, then you unleash them and let them eat, right? And the ones that don't eat and lay down, some of them, like all the black ones or whatever, like didn't eat and they laid down, even though the time when the sheep are really hungry. And he had them build an altar on the spot of every one of those. And they sacrificed those sheep, those sheep to this great God. That they didn't know his name and the plague lifted from Athens. Wow. And over years, some of the, that one of these altars was left and they didn't know his name. So they inscribed it to, the unknown. to an unknown God. Wow. And St. Paul sees that. Now, St. Paul, remember, I think it's Luke, his position is from Crete. Yeah. This is a famous poet from Crete. And he's a Greek speaking person who clearly has a classical education. He knew the story. Yeah. He knew that this was an actual engagement between the real triune God and the people of Athens in their history. Mm, mm. But that seems like that, that story has been lost. But so those God, yes, God has been active in people's lives. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, uh, the man who is Thursday, the book, the man who is mm. Thursday by GK Chesterton. Yeah. I haven't read it. So like, I love Chesterton, but I haven't read much of his fiction. So, like, at all. they're chasing after the anarchists. They need to find the anarchists, and the head of the anarchists. They're like, they're like chasing after him, and they find out that, mm -hmm. like, at the uh, to ruin it, spoiler alert. All along, it's kind of been this figure of God mm. that they've been chasing after, and it's like, it's like, like God was using a mask to try to break through, like, like these people. They've sacrificed to everyone else. It hasn't worked. Maybe mm. there's some unknown God and like God used that right. to say, that's me, but he wasn't, he wasn't ready for it yet. And like right. someone comes in your coffee shop and they're searching for beauty, goodness, or truth. Right. They don't know that it's the maybe, triune God. They don't maybe know. They don't even know that it's true goodness or beauty. Yeah. Yeah. They know that they have a longing for something for the infinite. They, what they know is what Lewis talks about. Yeah. That, Every time you have like this really hilltop experience, you hear some great work of music. You see a beautiful sunrise. You you see a, a heart achingly beautiful woman or whatever. Then it falls short. Yeah, there's a there's a disappointment afterwards. Yeah, it's not enough because it's not beauty. It's not the beautiful you're looking for. It's beauty itself. It's mm -hmm. the it's the it's the transcendental. It's the, the God behind the transcendental is yeah. what you want. Yeah. And the higher that mountaintop, the more it kind of rings is a little. Yeah. And there's a sadness afterwards. Right. Yeah. And they've all experienced what they thought was going to be enough, not being enough. And all you're trying to do with that awakening of desire is to get people to feel somewhere between the wander and kind of take the Novocaine off of them so they can kind of feel the sting of that unanswered desire and feel that pain a little bit. Well, look, and the way you do it is by feeling it yourself. And most of the time as Catholics, we've just been shoving a bunch of ideology in that hole so that we don't feel it. Well, I love and when as long as we're doing punt, doing this punch list every day, well, I got up, I had my quiet time. I said my rosemary, I went to daily mass. Yeah. I did this and this and this that you've, you've replaced 
this deep longing for the divine with this contented feeling of having completed your punch list. Great. Have a prayer rule, have a way, a plan of life, make a punch list. Yeah. But if you replace the completion of that punch list with, uh, for the, the real engagement and even the longing, the unfulfilled longing for, for the divine, then you're missing out yeah. and you're never going to be effective as a missionary. Well, that's why I loved when you said, Treat this guy, the guy that comes in with the cell phone, mm-hmm. as a person, even if he doesn't know that he's not treating himself as a person. Right. Like, like he doesn't realize that to, to awaken that desire in the sense that he doesn't even realize that he's. Right. I asked. For that. I asked that guy how he was doing. Yeah. As he was shouting a Starbucks order at me, and th- literally one time when I ranted about it on my podcast, he threw his credit card across and it bounced off my belly. <laughs> And I, that's when I went off. I'm not, I went, I didn't say it go off to him, but I went off on my podcast because I knew he didn't listen. Um, <laughs> but it's like, but I, it's sometimes you just ask this person, how are you doing? And they don't answer and they just yeah. reduce you to a, a means to an end day in and day out over years, yeah. but probably not. Yeah. There's hard cases and there's not. And not every, and, and the other thing is that something that I've seen with some of the fruit that I've seen from the projects I've done over the years is that you don't always get to see the end. Yeah, you might just be one step. I have seen I have I have engaged in dialogue, loaned Merton books to a guy that that was uh, you know into Eastern philosophy and owned a yoga studio, and we were friends, and we were not. You know, and he asked me questions. We had conversations, even debates a little bit, because we'd built that friendship, and we could. And I was answering an asked question, right? And then I went off to school, and then I was like, years later, I was in college, and I got a letter from him saying, "I wanted you to know that I'm being received into the Roman Catholic Church." Dang, dude! You know what that just made me. But I, that was four steps later. His son had to go to a Franciscan university, not Steubenville, but a different Franciscan university. Then he had to get sick. And then there had to be three or four things happen. And I was just one little cog. I was just one little link in this chain, but God knows what all of them are. Yeah. You just play your part. You just sing your part. In uh unschooling, there's this concept of strewing Yeah, where like you just leave little things. Mm-hmm. You leave like a few notes on a, like a few notes of music on a piano or you leave, you just leave a few things. So Mm -hmm. your kids kind of, they come across something (laughs) and then they just, and then they're just like, what is it? And they just kind of get into it, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I just decided that like, if I ever do a space like that, like the free book, the free library, Mm -hmm. like take one, leave one kind or whatever, Mm -hmm. like this idea of like, if you just have books and you kind of curate those books, you don't make Mm -hmm. them all just Catholic apologetics books, but you have like, the great books yeah, and just like these books that evoke desire, the books and you that, can, yeah. And you can, do, I'm not saying you can't do anything programmatic and you can't do, but instead of like, Hey, we're going to walk through, we're going to have alpha in the coffee house on Thursday nights, this semester, we're going to be discussing brothers Karamazov. Yeah. On the first, you prepare the first chapter for the first meeting. It's a seminar style. Yeah. Here's a little video you can watch about how the Socratic Myotic works so you can understand how discussion method class works. Please prepare the, the, and you know, please prepare the first uh, chapter. And we're meeting it from 7 to 9 on Thursdays around this big table. Yeah. I mean, that if you get people who are carefully reading and discussing Dostoevsky, they will talk about the things that matter. They will talk about the deepest things of life. Yeah, yeah. And in a way that doesn't 
throw up these religious red flags. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Even though it's a deeply Christian work, right? Yeah, yeah totally. So there's this – you just have to be a little shrewd in some ways. You just have to understand that – I mean some people, they read their you – know, they, they read the Bible and they read the early church and they're like, well, how come they could just run around, just stand on a street corner and preach the gospel or whatever? Okay, great. Do that. But you're not going to – in our modern world, the, the Christianity was weird, but it was new. Yeah, so back then it was like – They'd never heard of it. Right. Now, now we're post-Christian. Everyone thinks they know and they have made a decision. You are somewhere between a priest pedophile and that Pentecostal preacher that got busted cheating on his wife and and, and, the, and some money-grubbing televangelist and the nun that used to smack your grandma's fingers in school or something. And or, a horrible Kirk Cameron film. Exactly. Like Fireproof. Yeah, right. Fireproof. You, right. Exactly. Like, like a weird – Yeah. And then, yeah, so it's funny you brought up Kirk Cameron. It's like, I think I hear, don't, don't build a coffee house that is like some kind of incarnation of the way of the master or yeah. something, you know, yeah, don't yeah. do that. Um, just it, my friend, Ann Bryling, shout out to Ann Bryling. Um, we've done a lot of stuff together over the years and talked about this endlessly. We have a refrain when we just keep, we look out at the church and we see what people are doing. And we're just like, God, just be normal. Just be normal. <laughs> I've heard Tony Vicinda say that too. I've heard a few of our mutual friends. I mean, they're say just that. like, I mean, I came up with this, and this is going to be offensive to some people. Just you this is what this podcast is okay. for. So I came up with this the other day. Just totally, and I'm not making fun of any particular devotion. I someone thought I was talking about a very particular devotion. I just made it up. Yeah, I'm like. Oh, I did some of that evangelization. Yeah, I was in a coffee house. I met this young lady from the local college. And I mean, that Wednesday we were doing that. You know, we, we had this statue come of the infant of Barbadook. You know, I mean, we got the infant and then we had, we got the doll. Well, it's just from the Dollar General, but it's a doll. And you know, you know, I mean, you, you kiss, you kiss the shoulder, then you kiss the ch- chest of the infant of Barbadook when you pass the doll around because I mean, you got to consecrate the holy shoulder to the sacred heart. I mean, I mean, like, like anyone would do on a Wednesday, right? And so, so I invited her over and we even had like the statue was all painted. We put the clothes on the statue you like to do and you know and then we kissed the past dollar i mean she didn't seem to like it it's like <laughs> stop it yeah be normal you know what's crazy don't though? invite people over to your weird basement to like look at some <laughs> creepy statue yeah give them something they can understand yeah, yeah. like i don't know something to eat yeah it's good yeah that was bought nearby that was walking around fairly yeah. recently nearby yeah because if you really you god designed it because if you really believe that the catholic vision of reality is the most good and and beautiful right then you can show people actions where they'll go this is something like i want to know about this right. like you said like you want to know I about think it there is it once you've gotten into that context there used to be a time when we kind of had this mystical era around us and we were the conscious of the country or whatever. And, and so I kind of like those thick, old, weird, ethnic kind of like th- expressions. But we're, we've, we've kind of lost that. Yeah. Especially with the, the, the you know, the, the scandals and everything. We don't have the right to get the benefit of the doubt anymore. No, no. We have to earn that right back. And the way you do that is by being normal. Yeah. You just have to tell them I'm not trying. You have to show them I am not trying to sell you spiritual Amway. Yeah. And just be normal. That's- it's like it's like the kind of this movement of like, I'm not a Catholic musician. I'm a musician that happens to be Catholic. Yeah. It's kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to – I could talk no, to you for I'm, hours. No, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm um, good. I'm we had some – I put out a call for questions and I told I told him you were coming on the podcast and I had a few questions come in. Um, 
Sam Sam Ford asked, um, how is oh here we go. Whoa, gosh, whoa, a lot more questions. How is COVID shaping the future of mom and pop businesses? How do you think? Um, you know, give me like give me your 30 second take on I think that people will emerge from this hungry for community. Yeah. And um there's a story in the old testament. Um, I can't remember which prophet it is, but there's been this huge drought, right? And he says, water's going to come, not rain. This water's going to come. So dig. Mm. And some people dug a spoonful. Some people dug a swimming pool, but whatever they dug, the water came and it got filled. So I would challenge people to, I think people are going to emerge from this. This virus is going to lift. It may not go back to normal, but people are going, people are going to emerge and they're going to be hungry for community. What are you building to catch them? A lot of people's shops have closed. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to get back out of the house and their favorite shop might not even be open anymore. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a bunch of people looking for a new home. Yeah. I, I think now that third being, location, a new third location. Yeah. Our third, 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 third place. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that. I think that now I think that there may end up being I think there's going to be a dismantling of education, a movement towards the digital and more distributed education, but they're going to need that in-person connection and community that they're missing out from not going off to campuses. And I think that we as a church have a history of building new community forms. You know, the hospital, the orphanage, the university, yeah. you know, all these things that that are, are forms that are remnants of the engagement between the Christian vision of reality and the culture. Yeah. And so I think that it's time for us to build some new forms of community that to, to address the moment. Preach. Okay. Crazy Fiona. 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 Do you know Fiona? What's her last name? Uh, Shoot. I forget. I'm trying to click her. Uh, what's Fiona's last name? Look up her last name. I can picture her. What's Fiona's last name? She said, uh, when will we ever get to work together? I think, you know, uh, it, Fiona uh, Kusno. Kusno. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I love okay. Fiona. I've never even met Fiona, but she's, she's just a big fan. I'm a fan. I'm and I'm a fan too. So, okay. um, call, call me Fiona. Let's talk about something. I'm, I'm, I'm free to move around. I'm, I'm free to move around the country again and do some stuff. I'm, my uh, my exile of being caregiver is over, and I've got a million things up my sleeve. So uh, let's do something beautiful. Heostwald says, how do you balance focusing on clients who come to support the mission versus for the product? I'm not sure I really understand the question, so feel free to interpret that. I, I would rather have people who are customers to support the uh, product than the mission. The people who support the mission – are the people that are behind the counter gotcha. and the ones that are donors. Okay. And it's, uh, I, there's a saying that I throw out every once in a while. And a couple of priests that I know have quoted this all times. I, they say that, so why, do, why do you like putting like pictures up in the cafe? I'm like, I want my saints behind the counter, not on the wall. Mm, dang. Clip, I, clip that. <laughs> clip that quote. So I think that, um, I think that I want, I want them to come and I want them to be a part of it. Yeah. But I want them to understand what we're doing. I very rarely will ban someone who's an aggressive unbeliever from a shop. I have been known to ban people that are addicted to doing apologetics with my customers. Yeah. Yeah, dude. One of the first Discover Christ I did, some one of them I guess went down with the Mormons in the middle, like shouted it out as if like 
We were all for that. Dude. I was like, I had to talk to him afterwards. Like, dude, not the place. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. not the place. We're trying to invite Mormons. Like, Catholics not the place to so do that. Weird. They're just everyone's. Got, eh, there's. Um, we could do an entire different podcast on. Is battle the best metaphor for the religious life in society? We should do a whole another podcast, like a whole segment where you just come on and we look at the camera and we go, hey, Catholics, what the hell? Right. <laughs> like, Be normal. Like, okay. Stop doing – whatever you're doing, don't. Don't. Uh, youngest JN is a saturated market for craft coffee shops slash local roasters a bad thing. I don't think we are saturated. I think a rising tide raises all boats. I think we've lost a bunch of COVID, unfortunately. And I think that when you have someone like um, J.E.B. Holdings that owns Pete's buying up Stumptown and Intelligentsia, they've got the best analysts in the world working for them, and they must see a long future for craft coffee or they wouldn't be investing in it. Truth. They're not building Pete's much anymore, but they are building new Intelligentsia and Stumptown locations. Yeah. So – transparency quality craft is not going anywhere this is the future of the coffee industry and i don't see a great movement towards people getting more sleep happening anytime soon so people are going to need coffee but what's cool is like the benefit of going national is you you get this big investment there's bigger i don't know profit mm -hmm. but the benefit of going local and I've told I've I, I've talked to people that work at parishes before, where when they start when a parish when when one of my friends is thinking about starting a podcast for their parish or content mm -hmm. for their parish, mm -hmm. I'm like, look, man, we are saturated with Catholic content. We have mm -hmm. drone footage of Father Dave Pavanka walking through the desert with the Wild Goose series. Like, mm -hmm. you can't compete with that. But what Father Dave or Father Mike or or Scott Hahn can't compete with mm -hmm. is you talking about your local city, mm -hmm. talking about what it's like being a Catholic church and being a DRE in your local – talking about your local coffee shop, talking about – like right. no one can compete with that hyper-localness right. of your parish. Uh, so it's only Adrian – and we kind of talked about this or you referenced this. He says, why coffee shops? Would it work with an ice cream parlor? I think it could work with an ice cream parlor. I don't know. Or Tony Vicinda, a board game shop right <laughs> i think that tony it would work anything with tony did it yeah um i'm a giant fan of tony um shout is that out a play to on tony. words you're a giant fan of tony are you making fun of him is that I, a fat joke i'm offended for tony i'm a man of substance that's <laughs> our word okay that's uh i can say what i want okay. tony and i are brothers in substance um it's you little skinny people that don't get to say i know i'm working it. on it man i'm working eat something man i want to feed you um i think that it could work I think it can work in any place. Yes, of course it could work with an ice cream parlor. Common good. Like if yeah. you have you the have common to goods. yeah, you have to Yeah, I think it really it could work because the way that you source your your milk, the way you built the cream and stuff like that. I tell you, I you I don't know that people are going to go for purely ice cream often enough that you're going to be able to build the engagement. Now, could you do um a traditional espresso bar with panini and gelato and a lot of people are coming in for gelato. Yeah. You could do, yeah. I mean, you start, if it was a heavily neighborhood shop, like I don't know, like sweet action in Denver on South Broadway there, we were there a couple of a couple days a week in your tasting things yeah. and talking. I mean, I, I think it would be harder. It's not really the kind of place that people dwell. They certainly don't dwell too far past the eating of the product. Yeah. It's not a place you hang, but it could. I've certainly seen spaces that worked well 
that had ice cream as an aspect. Now, deep craft, local sourcing of cream and ingredients and all that, showcasing a bunch of real true goods that we share with them. It could be done. And if you want to do it, I would love to work on the project. So do you feel like a place like that? I, I heard of some of these places where they have kind of like a thing where it's like, oh, this restaurant, you pay what you want, mm. but you can pay extra to fund a meal for someone who can't afford I think it. That, I think that in some places that model would be a great model. Injustice models of different kinds yeah. of looking like Purple Door in Denver where they have formerly homeless youth being mentored in a work program yeah, or something. Yeah. If you start getting into that pay what you can, that can turn into more of a justice ministry. And you're going to start getting a lot of people that are a lot more on the ragged edge of things and needing more of the corporate works of mercy. Yeah. And so you should do that. I want people to build those. Just know what you're getting into. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. Now, that being said, I was talking to Jonathan Reyes, um, the founder of Christ in the City that used to be the executive director for USCCB, of, um, the uh, director of Peace, Justice, and Human Development. And I was saying, I really want to find a place for the poor. And I just don't want this to be a bunch of rich white kids with laptops. And he says, I don't think you're going to be able to reach this generation unless you have a place for the poor. Hmm. So this is, a, this is a question I am openly struggling with right now because – if you do that, your project can turn into a, a, a soup kitchen real fast. That's what I was going to say is like you're much closer to a soup kitchen than you are like a city coffee shop. And it's just what – who are you called to, I, to, right, yeah. to attract? Now I have seen on the other hand, I have seen people who do a soup kitchen, but they do it in the form of a cafe or a restaurant where they serve them. They take their order yeah, yeah. and they serve them with dignity and it ends up becoming a hangout and people do come there and eat and pay more. Yeah. And I think that is a really, really, really noble um, yeah. activity and worth doing. I would love to help build it. Like do you want to tip extra to help support yeah. feeding other people? But actually I think that that would be – a deeper engagement and opening of the hearts of the people who feel better than those other people because they can pay more. Yeah. I think that in some ways the ministry would be more for the rich people than it would be for the poor. Dude, uh, dude, the number of people like, yeah, that's a whole nother thing is people that are like, we hosted a golf tournament to raise money for charity. And now we feel good about ourselves. Uh, when you go back to this whole thing of like, if there's not relationship, did you ever take the take the poor guys golfing? Yeah, <laughs> did you, exactly. Did you ever introduce that poor guy to your yeah, golfing buddies? Yeah, or, no, no, you just no. think you disconnected, right? Okay, let me uh, last questions. Uh, Zelly Beans Coffee. When you say mission driven coffee shop, what does that mean? I have many thoughts. I feel like we kind of covered what you mean by that, but yeah, I mean, I think that I don't, I don't think that every coffee house has to be as intentional as what I'm describing. Uh, to be mission-driven. I think people can be mission-driven. Ide ideally, a family-run business where you're modeling family and modeling faith and modeling an engagement with reality in the context of a small business can do this almost as well or better yeah. in certain instances. I am all for people just doing a shop. Yeah, I am proposing a certain kind of model that I think can fit some context in some places and do some things that they can't do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but ultimately it comes down to the intention in the heart of the founder and how he feels when he's pulling shots for the people across the bar. Yeah. Uh, that, that, 
brings us into Kyle Hyman. Do you know Kyle Hyman? I know of him. Yeah, he asked. We're Facebook friends. Yeah, yeah. He asks, "What's the minimum setup and expense for coffee equipment, or could you just have a pour over?" You know, um, you could do. You could do. Um, the, the, I'm building a model that I call the box, which is that just the barest minimum that you would need. And then I built a concept called the brew box, which is just a pour over bar. Yeah. You could do it with just pour overs. But it would be hard. It would be more like a pop-up on a college campus or something. We we built one of those just with some tables and stuff at Emporia State University for the Diddy Center there. Um, and we're about to hopefully upgrade that. Um, you could do it. Tell If Kyle's interested, tell him to text But the me. biggest expense is that huge like you machine could, yeah, that can make well, all the and different. Yeah, well, and the build-out and stuff. I would say that I have built a shop with all new equipment. And the equipment bill was just over forty thousand dollars. Okay, and so I'd say, but that the equipment was build. That was all nice new equipment. Yeah. If you want to start getting into like, Wait, but what type of equipment? What's that thing called? The big machine, an espresso that- machine. So it's forty grand for that machine. No, 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 no. You can get them way less than that. But it's just like the little stations setting people up to make yeah, drinks. I mean, you and- know, grinders and a brewer, and I mean, yeah. I would say that. You know, fifty to a hundred grand is your low end. Wow, just for equipment? No, for for a shop. Okay, okay, that's yeah. your low end for a shop. Okay, gotcha. You can shoestring one. In fact, we're thinking about maybe doing a video series where we just to prove a point. We see how cheaply we can build a shop. Dude, that would be amazing. That does this. Let's do it. Do it, please. And just that'd be um, amazing. We we're, we we want to go from concept to opening day in like maybe twelve episodes. That'd be amazing. And see how cheaply we can build one that does everything I'm talking about. Yeah. So depends on how fancy your menu is. But yeah, I mean, there's a million variables and questions I would have before I would want to give a real solid number. Uh, Kyle, um, Facebook message me or email me. Wait, but and, so you're saying and hundred we'll grand, like including like furniture and stuff? Like, yeah, I mean, if you want to start getting. You know, you'd get a bunch of reclaimed wood, yeah. buy some hairpin legs off Amazon. Yeah, There's yeah. ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can do it on the cheap. Yeah. So um, what are ways that people can interact with you more? Like you do the consulting. Yeah. Like, like what are ways that people – Right now, um, you can you can go to my website, calix at C-A-L-I-X dot org. Um, you can email me there. there. My email link is on there. It's Andrew at Calix, Uh, my phone number, this, this, this phone's number is on my website. Okay. Um, uh, you can, you can find that. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I haven't been as active lately, but if you Facebook message me, I use messenger. Yeah. So some, uh, two of the people that ask questions are Facebook friends of mine. Um, Fiona and, 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 and Kyle email message me on Facebook or yeah. email me, call me. Um, there are some talks, there's two or three talks in a podcast or something on my website. We are about to start a new Calyx podcast oh, nice. where we're going to actually be engaging this and interviewing Please. Some, me and someone like Tony do talking it. about this stuff you do know, it, or man. Sherry or something. Do it. Yeah. Um, so that's, um, we're going to be doing a new podcast. It's been, honestly, Calyx has been a little bit on hold because I was playing a caregiver role for my mom for two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. And I feel I've learned what God wanted to teach me about hospitality and about yeah. serving yeah, and that, and Calix is a little bit of a different thing. No. What does your relationships look like when like, let's say some, let's say I'm like, let's do it. What, yeah. Like what, what do we do? Like, how do I, how do I get involved? How do we, how do we do this? Primarily you would email me and we would talk over the idea. Usually like I do like a free kind of hour or something like that. And then I'm just, I have an hourly fee for the most part. We can work out like project by project basis. Yeah. Um, but going from, 
idea to build out all, all that stuff? Like what, like, what does that look like? Does that look like weekly? We're having one hour. Yeah. Phone it can, calls? It, well, like, it could look, I mean, usually what it is like a phone call, then we talk over some stuff like, like, okay, you, you should, you talked to me about a building. Yeah. Okay. You sent me that. I, I, we would talk a little bit. I would look over that building, look over the, I would walk the neighborhood on Google um, street view. I would look around and see what's going on, try to get a feel for some demographics and stuff. And then we would talk some more and then I would you know, find out what you're wanting to do. I would do some research, maybe find some other models that look like that, that yeah. we could look at. Eventually you'd probably want me to come in on site, walk the space, take a bunch of pictures, do a bunch of measurements. And then I would usually start doing some sketches and some concepts. Yeah. And then maybe we would work with an architect and we yeah. would start getting a quote for what it would look like to lay it out. And then there's just a million ways that it goes. Yeah, yeah. It really, no two, no two, uh, shops are the same. Yeah. Awesome. I can be as just like giving you ideas and answering questions along the way. I can get elbow deep and figure out how high that counter should be and yeah. tell you, give sketches to your architect. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, so I could, we just do everything in between. That's awesome, man. Um, and I can also, we come in, we, um, we'll train your staff, do talks for them and stuff and literally train people to make coffee and teach you the skills and the craft around doing this a little Sounds bit. Sounds amazing. Too. Yeah. So it's very, it's different with every project. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, I could talk to you forever. Like, thanks for coming on. We've done like an hour and a half I th- or two hours almost. Yeah, I know. But- my, my my friend Rory that gave me a ride is probably sitting there okay. wondering where I'm at. Well, dude, That's tell- why I was checking my phone. I well, was dude, afraid he was texting me. Tell going, people where, where you want you? people to go. I mean, calix.org. Calix.org. And like any last things you want to plug or anything you want to say? Like, Oh, man, pray for me. And if you have ideas, throw them at me. If you know of any projects that are worth looking at. You know, like you mentioned life in Deep Ellum. We looked, we went, I went and looked at life at Deep Ellum yesterday and kind of saw how that was laid out with a gallery and a baby space and all that. Um, And it doesn't have to be Catholic projects. Yeah. One of my favorite projects that I've really looked at closely, I was staying in a hotel next door. There was a Marxist collective. Dude, like somebody must have had some money because there's a really nice lot of real estate in the middle of Manhattan. Dude, what I would love for you to do, and Tony, Tony would. Because Tony had the Threshold podcast or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I would love for you or you and Tony to just interview and riff with people that have something more than just for-profit model. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whether it's faith-based or whatever, just like – You're trying to get me to team up with Tony? Yes, for sure. Tony and I should start a podcast and call it Men of Substance. Okay, for sure. Tony, are you watching? But I would love to hear you (laughs) talk with a lot of these people I'm finding where it's like – it's not just a co-work space or a coffee shop. Right. There's something a little extra. And that's what we're and trying. interviewing them. That's what we're trying to do with the Catholic Because, ah, man, dude, that would be great. And that we're also wanting to go outside of the church and talk yes. to someone like um, – I've got my eyes set on Danny Meyer, the founder of Shake Shack. He, yeah. wrote a, he wrote a book called Setting the Table. Yeah. And I really want to talk to him about hospitality. Dude, we need that. We need- I quote him all the time because he says um, hospitality is that blurring of the line between going out and coming home. Dude, that's great. So I want to talk to him about because he understands hospitality better than I do, better than almost anyone I know. Yeah. I don't care if he's trying to sell burgers or high-end barbecue. Yeah. I want to know what he knows about hospitality. Do you know so, about this book, Hospitality Comes with a ho- House Key? I've heard about it. I think Sherry's Sherry talked about it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I bought it. Sorry, I was trying to get her on the podcast because I wanted to talk to her about – anyways. Okay. We need to end. We need to wrap this up. Do we have an outro? We haven't figured out an outro. <laughs>
Okay, go to patreon.com slash the show. Uh, Patreon used to support the show, but now patreon.com slash the show supports the studio and all the stuff we're trying to do here. So we have some exciting things. I can't say all of them, but we have some really big, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. Some big, exciting things, announcements and and things going on. So um, if you go to patreon.com slash the show, you're helping support all this all the stuff that we're trying to do here at the studio and you're helping buy Kyle, um, you know, Keystone light. And that's what really, Keystone. that's what really the Lord wants. Oh, Kyle Lord, to buy be. him a good beer. Man, I'm <laughs> well, you. we're not that fancy yet. We're not fancy that. Yeah. We're not that fancy yet. Kyle, oh. thanks for coming on the show. Uh, what we'll do is we'll end the show by you just talking to your, just you look to camera, look to this camera here and just whatever you want your grandchildren to know. I'll just get up and leave, but you just end the show that way and when you say done, Kyle will hit, Kyle will cut it. I am so sorry that you don't exist. Sorry that I got really busy with the intellectual life and I was just so so selfish and just quite honestly a train wreck of a human being and I just never got far enough outside myself to find a wife and to make your parents. So you don't exist. And I'm sorry about that. But if uh, someone sees this and proves me wrong and, you know, volunteers to help with the project, then maybe you will exist and you should have gratitude for your grandma, you know, because I've been looking for her for a very long time. Done.